Welcome to Project Giveback Connects, an extension of Project Giveback in the classrooms, dedicated to inspiring young students to become empathetic, understanding, and community-minded leaders. Project Giveback Connects offers a dose of inspiration and thoughts for discussion. Each live episode is taped and shared with classroom teachers and their students. Sit back, get cozy, let's get connected. Hello everyone, and welcome to Project Give Back Connects, season two, episode 12. A few years ago, I was invited to a meeting and it was at the Facebook headquarters. And there was a life-size mural with one question on the wall. And it said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And every visitor that walked in would write down their answers. And I wrote mine down too. And I just, I said, I'm afraid if I don't go for my dreams, I'll always have regret, regrets. And that's so true. Imagine if all of us followed our dreams. We followed our hearts and didn't get let this get in the way because we were so afraid of our own failures. So today you're going to meet three guests who are doing just this. They are following their dreams, regardless of what the obstacles are. First up, we have Jody Kovitz. She is a powerhouse. <laughs> she was featured in Forbes Women and recognized as one of Canada's 25 women of influence. She's the chief growth officer at Vetster. Before that, she co-chaired the re-election of Mayor John Tory, yay. She's an author and she wrote a book called Go Out of Your Way. She ran a movement for women in technology called Move the Dial. Over 60,000 people would come to her events across Canada, US, Israel, uh, England. She, like I said, she is a power, she's a powerhouse. And I'm not even scratching the surface of what she does. And she's here with us. Welcome, Jody. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. The theme of my talk today is that anything you dream you can do. And it really is a philosophy that I've lived. And, and sometimes you really have to act, you know, as if you are already manifesting your dream in order to make it happen. So I'll tell you just a little bit about uh, the story of how I built Move the Dial as part of uh, how I want to share with you some of my uh, philosophies and how to go get it. I have a very long, windy career story. I started out, uh, I had my first company when I was 16. I made greeting cards and I learned to sell by building relationships with people. So uh, there was a little gift shop that was close to the house that I grew up to. It was called P.S. I Love You. And I'll never forget <clears throat> going in and schmoozing the owners like every day, you know, until they liked me. And then I had my little cards and I was like, could you please do me a favor and maybe try selling my product and you know, we can just do it. Like you don't have to buy it. We just do it on consignment. Anyway, that was my first lesson in how important it is to build relationships and that relationships are still everything connecting human to human and everything I've been able to achieve in my life and career really comes from that principle that if you can put yourself out there and take the chance and allow yourself uh, to connect soul to soul, to really share yourself and open and 
allow someone to share themselves, you can build these really meaningful relationships that can open doors for you that you never knew um, were, was possible. So um, that was my first company that I started. And I got into Ivy uh, HBA program with the story of my little greeting card business, which I grew actually quite significantly. I had a little production line when I was in university of all my friends making the cards and it grew into quite a large business. Um, I went to Ivy and then I had the opportunity to create something new again. I created a, an investment challenge to raise money for the MS Society. My mom has MS and then nobody was doing anything for, for uh, raising awareness with students. And so I had this vision, this dream that I wanted to build this game, investment game, and teach kids, you know, young people about investing because I hadn't really learned and raise money for the MS Society. And it was this vision. And I went and asked this guy on the MS Society boards company TD, as it happens, uh, for a $50,000 check, which at the time was a really a lot of money. And it had to take a lot of nerve to make the ask. And they said yes. And so I had the money. And then I went out and recruited my friends to be the team. And, uh, you know, I, I feel still a lot of pride for making that come to life. We built this investment game. Uh, we raised lots of money for the MS Society. My brother actually won the competition, completely nothing to do with me. Of course, it was all objective. He then started a little company called Wealth Simple later on with his passion for, for uh, investing years later. But the point being, I had this vision. I had this dream. Everybody said it was nuts. No, everybody said I couldn't do it. I did it because I believed in myself and I tried. Uh, years later, after doing some time in consulting and spending 15 years as a family law lawyer and then doing business development and law story for another day, I ended up moving back into tech. I was really passionate watching my brother build his tech company that I wanted to be in tech. So I became the CEO of a nonprofit in the tech industry, and it was a membership organization. And I went to my first event. I changed my outfit four times. I'll never forget. I was so worried at what you described, Ellen. I was so nervous to get up in front of the stage of 140 members and I was the CEO and this is my vision. But all I noticed the second I got in front of all the people was that I was really like one of the only women in the room. There was four women, myself and the three women that worked for me. And there was one black man. Everybody else was a white 43 or 45 year old white man sitting there in the room. And I just was like, where is all the other people? This is just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. And so what popped out of my mouth at that first event is I want to work on diversity. This is a tech agenda issue. We've got to do this. And so um, I said, you know, on my strategic agenda is going to be to diversify this membership. And it's really, it really matters to me. I then was fortunate to go with the mayor to Israel um, and, and really learn about the tech ecosystem in Israel and build all these amazing relationships. And it occurred to me when I was there, I was going to do this event that was celebrating and focusing on women in tech when I got home. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was in Ramallah actually, where I was inspired to do this, watching uh, five women entrepreneurs, including one talk about her lingerie business, which was so interesting being in Ramallah, which of course, as a Jewish woman, I could never get to without diplomatic immunity, being with the mayor and all the things. And I wrote this idea down and I'll, I sent this idea on, a, on an email to five of the guys, and they were guys on the trip saying, hey, what do you think of this idea? I'm going to do an event. It's going to be about moving the dial. We're going to celebrate the mayor's you know, support of taking us to Israel and celebrate women. And the, one of the guys said, well, I said, would you help? Would you help me? Would you go ask your companies for some money? Will you help me put together a little event? One guy wrote, when you can write shorter emails, maybe I'll help you. And I just was like, I'm going to show him. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment. 
And then I built this event. It was going to be for 30 people. I begged, borrowed and steal to my brother, begging him, can I do this in your office? And trying to go around, get a little bit of money for my friend. Would you pay for the dinner? Anyway, it was going to be for 30 people. A thousand people responded to the event. It got put on Twitter by someone and I was so overwhelmed and it was so incredible. So on that cold January night, I had this vision for this movement and it started really as this one event and this movement, I, I said, whoever wants to volunteer, I'm going to have a little breakfast tomorrow at my, you know, this, at my old office, 50 people came CEO of Google, CEO of all these big companies. We want to help. We want to help. So then it became this grassroots movement. And all of a sudden I'm leading this movement and I never had anticipated that I was going to do it. It certainly wasn't my day job. I didn't have a ton of support from my board at the time, but you know, I really believed in myself. I believed in this little kernel of hope for a brighter future. I wanted my daughter who's now 13, but at the time it was four years ago to believe that she could do anything. And I didn't want her gender to impact her, her ability to be successful in life. And that drove um, my passion for this mission. And what ended up happening is it was a little side hustle with some grassroots experiments at the beginning. And then I had this amazing man uh, approach me as it happens, but he also is a, you know, an openly gay man, which is very difficult to find in technology companies. He's running a multi-billion dollar company and he's happy to talk about his experience and how difficult it was to feel included in the ecosystem, which was predominantly white straight men. And he just said, I believe in you and you can do this. And I was like, what do you mean this? He's like, quit your day job and build this, move the dial. You've got to do it. And I said, well, I have a, I have a, I have a daughter. I'm a single mom. How can I possibly? And he said, but what would you do if you didn't think you could fail? And his hand was on my back and he believed in me. And he said, you've got to do this. I believe in you. And worst case scenario, you impact a whole bunch of people. And then you, you know, are very skilled and you'll pick yourself up, but you've got to do it. And I, I listened to him and I did it. And I built Move the Dial from this like little nothing. I built a business plan. I went out, I raised money. I went from it being my little idea. I hired, I, by the time we finished, we were over 40 people. We did events, 75 events around the world. We raised many, many millions of dollars to support the work. Um, and you know, it had an incredible impact on, you know, thousands of people who believed that women or people who identify as women belong in technology. And we were very focused on diversity, capital D and really being, you know, all of our events featured folks of all different lived experiences. We were very focused on what does equity mean? It's way beyond gender and it's, it's gender fluidity. And it's all of, you know, all of the different points of people's intersecting identities and, um, you know, it was really an incredible experience. In the end, with the pandemic, I decided to pause the operations because it was largely an events-based business. And truly, another big lesson came to me. Like, it's not when you make decisions to go for your dreams, your dreams can change. And that's allowed too. And I had this moment, I'll never forget it, you know, pandemic's coming and my payroll was $3 million at the time. And I was in my bed with my daughter and my daughter was like petrified, of course. I mean, the pandemic was coming and is the world ending? And she needed me and I needed to be able to be present to her. And I was very concerned about how am I going to take care of all my employees? And I made a very hard and difficult decision that after three years, and despite the momentum, despite all the accolades, my daughter needed me most. And my dream had to, had to pivot and I had to just pause it. And I did. And it was hard. Um, you know, and I had this experience of having to find like the greatest resiliency I ever had. Like I, you know, I had to fire my entire team and lay them all off, which was devastating and wrap up all the things and, you know, and, and really go soul searching. And what I realized is that like dreams are for 
um, you know, cre creating many of. There isn't necessarily one, and you can always reinvent yourself and do it again. And the, the themes that I drew from that experience that I draw forward, and I'm mindful of time, so I'll wrap with this, you know, I really learned that um, fear is is really, you know, a, a, a tool you can play with and a, a trick I, I used myself and in every difficult meeting, even when I asked TD, who was one of my biggest sponsors for, I needed to ask them for half a million dollars to do my big event. Like that was a very scary moment. Like this was a dream that I had in my head. It was like, I put it on a piece of paper, what my vision was for this event that I literally made from my brain, you know? And then they were like, yes, you know? What I had to do is I had to take the little gremlin of fear that was sitting on my shoulder and shrink it. And that's what I always teach my daughter. And I have to teach myself in those difficult moments. You know, can you really make, you can make nice with it. I see you, you're not like ignoring it, put it in your pocket and keep going. The other piece of advice that I'll share that, that enabled me to do move the dial and, and rebuild myself and, and pivot to my next phase is also like, you don't have to carry things, right? Like we all have pain and sorrow and heartache from all of our different life, um, you know, challenges. And, and I, I found that what enabled me to go beyond the dream and execute and make it a reality was really being able to focus on the now. It took so much work to put, push that rock up a mountain that you have to bring your dedication, focus, commitment, and like really all your grit and be able to compartmentalize, including not carrying around a heavy backpack of all of your pain. So how can you create space? And, and I had to do a lot of work on it to process, to not harbor resentment, to not carry my past traumas from work and life pain and really find a way to be light and to move into my dream with lightness and hope um, and not be weighed down by, by the things that were heavy. Um, and last and certainly not least, you know, to really always prioritize building those beautiful relationships because you never know by, by, you know, the first piece of just saying hello, just saying hello to the person next to you in the line at the store or, you know, saying yes when someone asks you to help with something and really listening deeply and building these relationships, every single thing that you need to um, manifest your dreams, you need others, you need help, and we have to help each other. And my whole book is about this concept of generosity of spirit, and that it's not really about reciprocity, it's much more about how can I give? How can I give first? How can I amaze and delight in my giving and be memorable and build these really cultivate these really beautiful, meaningful, true relationships. Because then when you want to build something, those are the people that are there that are going to support you and open doors for you and, and create that opportunity. And so, um, you know, and, and that every failure is really not anything but an opportunity to learn and move forward. So even though my company no longer exists and I decided to move forward, you know, I carry with me all of the incredible lessons, the humility of the experience. And I'm on to my next adventure, building a, a virtual telemedicine platform with great joie, joy de vivre and writing my next book, which is really on mindfulness, leadership principles and doing things like this, which I love to do with my whole heart. So thank you so much for having me. And if anybody has questions, you're most welcome to reach out to me. Just ping me. Thank you, Jody. Wow. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I know there's so much more to come from Jody Kovitz in the future. I feel like you're just at a really nice resting place and you're finding your voice again. And then I, we just know it, all of us that are getting to listen to you, you're going to shoot for that moon again. And uh, thank you for taking us on your ride. You are, you are sensational. Thank you so much.
All right, everyone. So next up, we have the one and only Asia, this 17-year-old singer-songwriter from Toronto is best known for his her, her top 10 billboard hit, Red Button. Just last year, it was so amazing to see in Times Square, Asia lit up on a building. This young superstar used to come and sing to Jakey when she was just eight years old. And she would walk into our house and she'd be wearing the cutest little outfit and she'd have her pink microphone. And we loved her so much. Jacob loved her so much. And it's so nice seeing the world love her so much. Asia, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Um, so today I'm going to sing A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. I feel like we all know what it's about, but I think that the beautiful part about music is that whatever it is about, anybody can turn into something for themselves. And I've used this song as inspiration and motivation. I think the first time I sang this song, I was six and I've been singing it throughout the years just because I love it. And I really love jazz music and the soul. And so throughout the years, I've been singing this song. And I think that a piece of advice that I would give to anybody who wants to do something that might not be in the ordinary. I definitely wouldn't say that being a musician is in the ordinary. Um, if you really love it, that's all the motivation you need, no matter what other people are telling you. Does not matter if you if this is something that you truly want to do. For me, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. And if you love something that much, then there's no reason that you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't let anything stop you. Okay. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like that river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. I go to the movie and I go downtown. Somebody keep telling me, don't hang around. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Then I go to my brother. 
And I say, brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me. Back down on my knees. Oh, there's been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, a long time coming. But I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Thank you. Woof. Asia, tell everyone quickly about your newest release. Well, I just released a song March 25th. Um, it's called Love It First Song. And it's basically about how much I love music. It's like a love song, but me and music and it's about like my entire life and how much music has been so much to me and yeah I just released it it's on all platforms Spotify Apple Music Instagram yeah I love you thank you for being you and she even came over and helped me be bracelets guys like she gives so much of herself and just thank you for being you Asia you're awesome Okay, next guest. While following her dream, she found her purpose, and that was helping others. During COVID, this 23-year-old worked to become a mental health advocate and activist from her own life story. Welcome to Project Give Back, Bailey Levy. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. So I'm Bailey. I'm 23 years old from Toronto. I recently graduated from the University of Western Ontario in 2021. And since then, I've just been working full time at Sunnybrook Hospital, helping enforce the COVID-19 policies. I have applied to medical school as it's been my lifelong dream, and I hope one day to be a doctor. So my applications are in and I guess we'll see. <laughs> so in February of 2020, I started an Instagram account called at its Bailey's world. And it's just a place where I show my realistic day-to-day -day life full of the ups and downs. At first I thought it would just kind of be a place I'd share kind of fashion, exercise, food. And I was really struggling with my mental health at the time. And I just felt it wasn't being me if I didn't share. So I began to share and I got such a positive response. And I just found that I enjoy talking about it and to remove the stigma. So I've been sharing my story. I've been struggling with mental illness since I was in grade six and probably before. And it has affected me until today after graduating university. So it's been a very long time. But over the last two years, I've worked really hard through my experiences and my struggles to become a mental health activist and advocate. Through my Instagram, I have found a passion in sharing my story to help other people struggling and make them feel less alone. The goal of my Instagram page is to be a safe space where one can go to feel less alone, learn from my mistakes and my successes, and find a community of support. My Instagram has opened many doors for mental health advocacy that I could not have even imagined. 
I ended up creating a podcast a few months ago, and it's called Mental Health Unfiltered with Bailey Levy. And it's just a place I talk more in depth in depth about my experiences with mental illness. I have shared my entire story since the beginning, and it ended up being about like six parts, totaling two hours. <laughs> and then now I've just been talking about different disorders and my personal struggles with them. I thought it would be more relatable than just kind of spewing information that you could find on Google. I wanted to share like my personal experiences with it. So other people could kind of say, oh, I'm not alone in that. Or, wow, that's that. I didn't know that's what it was. And it's been nice to share. And it's been nice to hear people enjoy listening. And then also I created sweatshirts and I have raised about $1,700 to date and counting for the new psychiatric department at Sunnybrook Hospital. And I was treated there. I was inpatient there. I'm outpatient there. So they have a special place in my heart. And I still have a bunch left if anyone is interested. (laughs) And lastly, I've gone and involved in speaking engagements. And I actually have a few articles in the works to be published. And I just really have found such joy in advocating for mental health and just by sharing my story. So my life goal is to help work on the mental health care system to fill the gaps that I fell through personally. And I know that I'm going to work endlessly so that no one else has to feel as lost as I felt throughout my own journey. And I'm here as an advocate, a friend, a supporter, or any other role that can help one through their toughest times. So feel free to message me if you're struggling, know someone's struggling. I love talking with everyone. (laughs) Thank you. Bailey, thank you so much. You actually, yesterday, I think it was on your Instagram, you wrote something about what your mom says to you when you're feeling really overwhelmed and anxious. And I actually repeated it to my husband. I loved it. It was such a simple way to phrase it. Can you you say it? Say it for us. Yeah. With my anxiety, I just get super overwhelmed. And so she just tells me to stop looking at the whole staircase and just look at the step right in front of me. So yes, I have all these things to do, but what's the next step? That's just brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. What a jewel of wisdom. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you for being with us. You're going to make such an incredible doctor one day because you have all this behind you to help others as you move forward. So thank you so much. And now it's time for Kindness Corner with Lindsay at One to Give. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, it's Lindsay from One to Give. If you have a bike to donate from any size, toddler to adult, reach out to us on Instagram at One to Give TO. We're in the process of putting together a bike registry where families who are sponsoring Ukrainian refugees can look and see if they can access a bike that they can keep for free and give to the family. When you're moving to a new country and escaping trauma, to have something familiar like a bike is a big deal. A bike can be a form of recreation, a form of independence, um, and really just make people smile. So reach out to us. Let's see how many bikes we can get into people, get them riding, get them smiling and feeling good. It's one small way that we can all make a difference. And as always, kindness is contagious. All right, everybody. That's tonight's episode. I want to thank all of you for coming out and sharing your wisdom with all of us. 
As always, my message to you, please be kind to one another. Please let's embrace one another. Let's learn from one another. And we'll see you in a few weeks. Mwah. Open your heart today.